church, and uh, we've been here uh, before, and it's just a fun place to be, and uh, we just love the atmosphere, the worship. Uh, Tara was able to do worship for a Women of the Word conference, and it's or another conference I was in, and she was doing the worship. It's just so good to have her. So you will see that uh, Amy is with me. She's from Long Island. And uh, Denise is with me. Denise travels with me. She. So we're just so glad to be here. I love the theme of this conference. If in the beginning I was saying, okay, God, what, what do you want? And when he began to open up this passage of scripture for me, I got very excited for this conference and for everything that is being seated. This is such an exciting period of time, and there is a revival that is opening. You can feel it. It's started. You know, we just, we just have got to get in there and push it through, you know. Uh, Satan just doesn't like praise and worship. He hates praise and worship. So if he hates it, it's something we should be active in. So turn with me, please. We're going to start with the last verse or one of the last verses. I have my cell phone up here for time. So if you turn with me, Romans 4, we're going to start with the, one of the last verses we're going to do in this passage. Staggered not at the promises of God through unbelief, but was strong in faith, giving glory to God. We're going to look at that verse in its order a little later. But the word glory here means to praise, to worship, to honor, to declare someone's preeminence, excellence, and magnificence. And what God did was he took me through these verses and he gave me tools, you ready? To go after those promises that we've lost hope for. He gave me tools to go after those things that are behind obstacles. And if you'll be honest in your life, not only are there some promises that you've got to go after, but there are some things that you know are right there for you, but there are just some obnoxious obstacles that are just right there in front. And God gave us tools, and he gave us tools to go after those things. And so we're going to start now back in verse 17, because everything that Abraham laid hold of, everything that Abraham brought into his life, he brought into his life through praise and worship. And I love this passage of scripture because when you read this one and when you read the passages that talk about of any of the times that Abraham's faith faltered, and he's just like us, his faith faltered. He listened to other influences, all kinds of things happened. But when God records his life, both here and in Hebrews, there's no reference to that. So ladies, this is what I want to say to you. When you pick yourself back up and you use praise to be the thing to move you forward, God doesn't record the valley in between. 
So verse 17. As it is written, I have made thee a father of many nations before him whom he believed, even God who quickened the dead and calleth those things which are not as though they were. Now, I want you to realize that there's many times God speaks something to you. And when he speaks it to you, it's not there. And there's a long, sometimes a long period from the time it's spoken to the time it's fulfilled. I want you to know that God sees things that are not as if they were. And he sees them already in existence. So he can talk to us about things in our lives, and he truly sees them already. And as we tap into him, we see what he sees. And the word here for made is a very interesting word because what it means is effixed. And I want you to hear me say this to you. When God speaks something to you, it's already fixed. It's already established. Because God's voice is creative. God's nature is creative. The word talks to us about the fact that God is already and always creating. And I get a lot of science feed into my news feed on my phone because I'd rather read that than something else. And they are finding all kinds of new species of animals, of sea life, and they're looking at it going, oh, we just never knew it was here before. I don't think that's true. I think because God is always creating. He just loves to put little surprises out there. And we begin to find them, and it's like, oh, we just never saw that before. Yeah, I don't think that's true. And just all kinds of things in the ocean, they're finding all kinds of sea life. And they're doing all kinds of study. And the studies are proving that the ocean is not quiet that all of the sea life makes sounds. And you know what? Our God is a God that makes sounds. He talks. Come on, he talks. And he makes things to sing. And so, you know, we need to be people who know how to sing. I love one of the quotes of Evan Roberts so much. They ask him in Wales when the revival was beginning to spread to other nations, they said to him, can we have a revival in our nation like you're having? He asked one question, can you sing? And there was a power in that whole revival that had to do with worship and singing. And he said, you're going to be the father. And that word means you're going to be the generator. Now, I want you to think about what he was saying to Abraham. He was looking at Abraham, and he said, you are going to be the generator of many nations, a man who could not have children, with a wife who could not have children. And he looked at him, and he said, you're a generator. Now, there are many times that God looks at us in our life, and he calls us something we don't feel like. And ladies, because this revival has already started breaking, I want you to hear there are so many things that God has said to you about you. That's because that's who you are. 
And in this season of revival, God is going to make you all the things that he called you to be, all the things that he promised you to be. And what has to happen is we have to learn to grow from the hard things. And we all have hard things. We all have problems. We all have situations. We all have difficulties. And when we learn to use them to build spiritual muscles, I want you to think about what he said to the children of Israel. He was looking at them after they went into the promised land, and he said, I'm not going to drive your enemies out in a year because I need to teach your hands to war. And he said, and if I give it to you all at once, the wild animals will take it and the weeds will take it because you're not able to handle it all at once. And when we begin to grow spiritually, the more we grow, the more we can handle. The more we grow, the more we can handle. And so God has been growing us and stretching us and empowering us. Ladies, this is such an exciting time to be alive in God. We're seeing just the power of worship. We're seeing the power of the supernatural. We're seeing the, the power of just God breaking through obstacles and starting to do the craziest, most wonderful things that we would never have thought of. And it all comes from fighting through the hard times. That's where it comes from. And when you look at your life, I want you to look at your life the way God looks at your life. I don't want you to see the moments or the days you faltered. I want you to see the days you picked up. I want you to see the days you went back to praising Jesus. I want you to see the days you got back up and the days you were proclaiming. It doesn't matter if you were hit. What matters is what do you do with the hits. And the word nations here means races. And he's looking at Abraham, and he was saying to Abraham in the most beautiful way, he was saying, take your blinders off. And this revival is going to be a revival where God comes in and he says to us, take off your blinders. You're seeing too narrow. Your perspective is too narrow. Take off the blinders and look wider, look deeper, look more expansive. It's so exciting to see a conference in Liberia. It's so exciting to see solar panels because you know what? They do. They, for years, lived with power on and off, sometimes more off than on. And so to know that they'll be able to be independent and their building will be powered, that is just so exciting. That, and he said, the next word that's here that I just think is so exciting is he said, I've made thee a father of nations, even God, who quickeneth the dead. And the word quicken means to restore to life by spiritual power. Not by any other power, but by spiritual power. And ladies, I don't care what's going on. I don't care what situations in your life make you think that opportunity, that, that avenue, that relationship is dead. This is the era in God where he's pouring spiritual life into dead things and he's bringing them to life by spiritual power. All the things, you know, I just stand back and I just look at all the things that 
every branch of science has tried to do. And they're really trying. And I was very active. I, I graduated and I was part of the psychiatric community for a while. And we had a, I'll give you a little clue. You know what we do when the medicine doesn't work? We rename the disorder. Hey, I'm, I'm telling you the truth. And we give out new medicine. Come on. And we say, oh, you, you were diagnosed with manic depression, but really you're bipolar. You know, it's just a renaming. Come on. Work with me here. But when God steps in, when God speaks, he uses spiritual power to bring back something that was dead to life. I want you to hear me. This revival is a revival of resurrection power. This revival is not a seasonal revival. And what I mean by that is there have been revivals in seasons. And when a revival comes in a season, it it begins to revive things that were happening in that season. But when a revival is a revival of a new era, the rules change. And you can find it in the word. There are era changes periodically in the word. And what marks an era change very often in the word is that a barren woman had a baby. Work with me here. And so the church is about to have resurrection life flow through every one of us and areas where we are barren are going to spring to life like never before. And Pastor Richard and I were talking about this and, and he, he said, you know, it's a season of and suddenly. You just don't know the 30 years that came before the and suddenly. And when the end suddenly comes, you don't care about the 30 years that came before. Come on. When Sarah held that baby, she didn't care she was 99 when she got pregnant. And he said, and call it. And this means to call out with a loud voice. So here comes your first worship tool. And ladies, I, I hope that you're taking these down. I'll try to do them slow because when God said to me, okay, this is the tool in this section, I got so excited about the tools. So worship gave him the tools that he needed to fight through the times it seemed God had forgotten us and his promises. And I want you to realize that what begins to happen in worship is that God begins to talk to you. And God begins to let you know, I've not forgotten you. And one of the things that puts wind in our sails is knowing he hasn't forgotten us. And I, I don't know who it is out here, but somebody has been battling something around 20 years. And God just says, let the wind hit your sails. 
because the answer is on its way. You find in Numbers that they're describing God and they're saying he, he's not a man, that, that he'll lie. And we have to realize that God sees things out of time. And I don't really know who this is for this morning, but I keep coming back to this and I keep hearing the Holy Spirit tell me, hit it again. God sees things with no boundaries of time. And so because he sees things with no boundaries of time, he can say X is going to happen. And we're waiting 20, 30 years, and what do we do? We say, I guess I didn't hear God. Come on. Or we say, I guess that prophetic word wasn't accurate. Come on. And we don't realize it, but we open up our hands at that moment, and we let it run through our fingers like water. And we need to realize that God's standing here, but he doesn't see the 20 or 30 years. He just sees what's coming. So he just wants you to know, I just want you to get excited, this is coming. And I think sometimes he does it to give us encouragement to keep walking. Come on. Sometimes that promise is that thing that keeps you focused, just keeps you focused. And so in this season, I want you to begin to say, all right, God, I'm going to get out all those things you said to me. You know those things that you hide away? Those things that you've written and you've put in a drawer somewhere, but you never quite forget them because God's trying to say to you, don't, don't do this, don't throw this out, don't forget it. So this is my assignment to you the first of several, go get those, rewrite them, and begin to praise God that this is the season where they will come to pass. The next tool that comes out of these verses is that worship gave him the understanding it was the enemy putting him in a bad place. And ladies, if there's one thing Satan wants to do is he wants to tell you how terrible, horrible, and awful life is. Come on. And he loves to have people tell you how terrible, horrible, and life is. You may have just gotten yourself up off the floor, your phone rings, and somebody wants to tell you how terrible life is. Come on. You can't go to the grocery store without somebody wanting to tell you how terrible life is. And I don't know, maybe it's not here, maybe this is just a New York problem, I don't know. But people are so angry. Oh, goodness. And they are driving like they are crazy. And their cars have become weapons. And it seems as if our little pantry truck has a, some sort of a little um, uh, target on it, you know. And it's like you have to drive your lane, their lane, and that lane over there because people are just nuts. 
And we've had so many accidents. And one of the uh, young women in the church called me and said, Pastor, I think we better start praying because our township has become under assault for accidents. There are serious accidents killing people two and three times a day. And, you know, it's like you can't, you can't go out in a day without seeing a critical accident. And I honestly believe it's because people are driving distracted because they're so upset. Come on. They're so hopeless. They're so helpless. They're, they're mulling their problems over and over and over and over. And they're so angry. It's like a spirit of anger came with COVID. I, I don't know what to say. And so you can't go anywhere. See, you thought I forgot where I was. You can't go anywhere without somebody telling you how bad things are. Come on. And so there came a point in, in COVID where I realized I really liked the masks. And I really liked the mask mandate. I really did. Because you see, I could, nobody understands you. When somebody's got a mask on, do you know what they're saying? No clue, no clue at all. And if you're not right on top of them, you can't even figure out, is it English, is it Spanish? What? And so I found that with my mask, I could walk in anywhere and be praying in the spirit out loud. I love those masks. And people in our church will tell you, I'm an embarrassment. I just go to the post office and I'm just speaking in tongues because, listen, that's the only defense for everybody that's out there, I'm telling you. And then I realized, oh, I could sing. And they didn't know what I was doing. They had no clue. And so it was like just when I was really experimenting with just how far you could go with those masks, they took the mask mandate off. You know, and now if you wear a mask, everybody looks at you like. So it was like, well, got to find something else now. So it's, it's Satan that's putting these thoughts in our head. Come on. Let, let's just all be honest with each other. If you think I'm any different than you are, you're wrong. Satan says things to you all day long. And you know, you believe it because it sounds like you because it's your thoughts. Come on. And we have to work. And I would imagine all those years, because we're going to, if we have time, look at a story of Abraham. But I would imagine with all those years, there was a lot of things that told Abraham, you'll never be the father of many nations. Think about it. He gave Sarah twice away. She ended up in, as, in a harem. And when you think about that, that's a little crazy because God told him you will never get your promise without Sarah. 
he made it very clear, I'm going to do it between the two of you. But those thoughts, come on. And fear was the thought both times that he gave Sarah away. He said, they're going to kill me because you're so beautiful. So just tell them you're my sister. Just, just think, ladies, how much during the day does thoughts of fear come your way? Come on. Because that's what he's using. I want you to hear me say this. Delay is not God changing his mind. Delay is getting us in with his timing. The third tool that came out of that first verse was worship gave him the ability to know God was capable of all types of resurrection. Next phrase, even when all hope is gone. And I think the church has gotten to a point as individuals where a lot of times we're going through the motions. Come on. Come on. We're singing because that's what we do. Come on. We're reading the word because that's what we do. And if we can't read the word, we're reading, you know, daily bread. We're reading snippets. We do it because that's what we do. But the thought that we're pulling something from it for life has escaped us. The thought that we're singing for life escapes us. And whether we realize it or not, ladies, a lot of times, God will drop a song in your heart. Now, our worship team really hates this, but what happens is that God will drop a phrase in a song. And I'll just hear the same phrase over and over and over and over. So then I go to the worship team and say, what's the song that says? Because I don't hear it all, I hear the phrase he's interested in. And ladies, start listening to the songs God wakes you up with. Start listening to the phrases that drop in your heart. Because those are something that he's talking to you about. There's something that he's encouraging you with. Now, look at verse 18. Who against hope believed in hope that he might become the father of many nations according to that which was spoken. So shall thy seed be. Now you look at that and you think, well, why, why was it written that way? Why does it say hope against hope? Why does it say that? Because the first hope means to stretch forth. And ladies, I'm about to give you another tool. When we don't feel like it, we have to do something to stretch forth. We have to do something to take ground. Even if it's something minuscule, you've got to take some ground. It's imperative that we as individuals keep walking. Even if we're walking like this, we've got to keep walking. And what Abraham did was he began to stretch forth. It wasn't hope he was...
was stretching forth. He was taking this ground. He was taking this belief. He was learning this about God. He was going back after this with God. He was stretching forth. And the word became here means to come to pass. We don't understand it, but the work that God is doing in us in the dark is bringing to pass a character change in us. Because he's got to get our character able to support what's coming. And I want you to look at some things in your life where you just, you're coming through such a battle. I want you to think about what Song of Solomon says. It says that God brought him up, the, brought her up the rocky side of the hill. And when you learn about mountain goats, you realize that the mothers make the little goats go up the rocky side of the hill, not the easy side of the hill. Because when we go up the rocky side of the hill, we form leg muscles. And leg muscles help us to stand. And those things that you're fighting through, those problems, begin to say, God, develop my leg muscles so I can stand. Develop my spiritual muscles so I can stand. Because if there's one thing Satan hates, it's when we take a bad situation and make it spiritually beneficial. And what he does with that is he said, well, that's not working, and I'm not going to keep this pressure up because it's only getting worse for me. And he leaves some of, he just lets go of some things because it's like we're not letting that go. We're not letting it do what it's supposed to do. Ladies, every day, even if it's small, make progress. If you read the word five minutes, read the word six minutes. If you thanked God for one thing, thank God for two things. It is so important. We've got to start sharing our praise reports. You know, we've done this for years in our church. I, every Sunday morning, I don't care about the clock, which should be very scary. But I don't. And so... It looks like, ladies, share your praise reports. Because not only does it help the person that's hearing, but it reinforces to you. So begin to make progress every day. The next thing that we're going to look at is found in verse 18. And i, I got to speed this up a little. And then it goes on to say, which was spoken, so shall thy what be? Seed. Seed. Ladies, we are constantly planting seed. We were driving over here, and, and Denise was talking to me in the car, and she said, it's so exciting. We have so many churches represented here. It's just so exciting. And we're driving, and, and God said, it's time that the church had super, you ready? Super spreader conferences. N not COVID, but spreading the hope, the power, the life, the potential, 
of God. And we can have super spreader conferences in the grocery store, at the cleaners, at the gas station. Find a way to share your praise reports. Find a way to be a super spreader. So here's the next tool. Worship gave him the ability to hope again when all hope was gone. I don't have time to refer to, to tell you this story, so I'll just tell you. Go to Genesis when you get home, chapter 17, verse 17. And the King James translated this so nicely. It says, and Abraham laughed. That's not what it says in the Hebrew. In the Hebrew, it said, Abraham fell down on the ground. He was laughing so hard he was kicking his feet. That's how funny he thought it was. And he thought it was that funny that God was coming back around and telling him, you will have a son. He fell down on the ground in front of God laughed so hard he was kicking his feet and what came out of his mouth let Ishmael live before you now ladies I'm about to say something that when God said it to me it was like oh my goodness very often we want to help God fulfill the prophetic words we've had come on we want to help God bring a promise to pass and we do something in our flesh. And then when God says, I'm about to do the real thing, we ask him to let the flesh thing live. And the church has done a lot in these dark hours of making flesh things. We've done it as individuals. We've done it as churches. And we cannot now that God is saying the real is here, we cannot turn around and say, can't the flesh live? And so Abraham had that moment with God. But worship, because you see, that's what brought Abraham back. That's what Romans 4 is telling you. Abraham had gotten to that point when he encountered God again. God told him again he was going to have a son. He laughed. It was so unthinkable to him that he laughed. But what brought him out of that was worship. Ladies, we have got to start worshiping like never before. We've got to worship in our cars. Come on, listen, there's Bluetooth now. People just think you're talking to somebody on the phone. And I don't know what it is here, but in New York, New Yorkers talk with their hands. So when they're on the phone, even in the car, they're talking with their hands. Okay, so great. So now you're in the car. They think you're on the phone. You're just waving your hands. Just keep one on the wheel, ladies, one on the wheel. And in this day, keep both eyes open. Yes, 
And being not weak in faith, he considered not his body, now dead, when he was about a hundred years old, neither the deadness of Sarah's womb. Word weak here means powerless, without strength. So look at what God's saying about him. And being not weak in faith. Being not powerless. Being not without strength. Ladies, you don't realize it. But the tiniest drop of faith in your life is not powerless. The, the tiniest drop of faith in your life moves mountains. When you connect your mouth, come on, and your trust to that faith, it moves mountains. And the word faith here is the key to everything. The conviction of the truth including trust and holy fervor. I don't know what happened to the church because I wasn't saved at a time when there was a big revival going on. But it's been something that I've researched. I buy revival books. I'm always hunting for that thing. I'm so excited for what's running through my fingers right now because it's like I'm not going to have to read about it anymore. I'm going to get to live it. But one of the things that is so exciting to me is that the church was excitable and the church would dance and the church would shout and the church would laugh and the church had an incredible time in church. Now, the thing with it is, we've become much too sophisticated. We've become much too inhibited. And we worry far too much about what the person next to us thinks. When, when I was down in North Carolina, they were talking to me about a revival that happened in North Carolina. And they said that they had the old-fashioned pews, you know, with the tiny little rails on the back. And they said when the Holy Spirit fell with power, the men would jump on the top of the pew and would run from one pew to the next pew to the next pew. They'd run to the back on the top of the pews, turn around and run back on the top of the pews. And they would do it repeatedly. Now, I'm not going to tell you the next comment because I, I looked at the person talking about that and I thought, I don't know that what you're saying is an improvement. Because what they were actually saying was, you know, we've, we've matured past that. And you know what we need, ladies? We need an old-fashioned power drop of the Holy Spirit where we just don't flip and care. And we get back holy fervor. 
Pastor Lisa and I were talking about a friend of hers that, that's a very strong football fan. Now, I happen to understand that because I'm a Texas girl, and I am a very powerful cowboy fan. Now, I don't watch football quietly. And I don't care if I'm in my living room and it's just me and my dog. I don't watch quietly. Why do we do things in the church quietly? Where is the shout in the house of God? And it said he considered not. And again, the Greek here is so beautiful. It means he didn't fix his eye not. The church of Jesus Christ has fixed its mind and its eyes on what is not. We have to start not doing that anymore. When the Holy Spirit comes in, stop fixing your eyes on what you don't have. Stop fixing your eyes on what promise hasn't happened yet. Stop fixing your eyes on what battle you're in right now. And start fixing your eyes on the one who is the giant killer. And it said, he didn't fix his eyes on the fact he, he was dead. And that means worn out. That means to be deprived of power. That means having no strength. And I read that. And how many of us in the body of Christ right now will honestly say, I'm worn out? Come on. How many in the body of Christ right now will say, I feel like I'm without power? And I found an answer. And that is, I fix my eyes on the little things. I can't look at where the big picture is. I have to look at the little things that I see changing. Come on. I got to look at the things I see when I hear people talking about an uprising in a school board meeting because they want to take back their schools. Now, that's a big thing in New York, folks. That is a big thing. And I choose to fix my eyes on that, not on what I hear. Because when we fix our eyes on the little things, we don't consider how powerless we are. We begin to realize that God can change things at a moment's notice. And he said, nor did he consider the deadness of Sarah. And that means utter sluggishness. How many of us can say what hit us now is an utter sluggishness? Come on. It just feels like we're walking through mud. Come on. Satan is trying to make us feel that way because he knows that there is a revival that has already burst and he wants to get it killed. So the fifth thing is worship gave him the ability to stop looking at situations for the way they looked but to focus his eyes on the power it's time that we thought about what Jesus said in Matthew 14, 
28 through 31 and realize nothing is impossible with God. We need to focus our eyes on the verse in Psalms where it says, and God is in the heavens, laughing in derision at his enemies. We need to begin to see that. We, whatever that problem is in your life, whoever that person is in your life, we've got to start seeing God over that situation, over that person. And we've got to start hearing God laugh. Verse 20, and he staggered not at the promises of God through unbelief, but was strong in faith, giving glory to God. And staggered here means to withdraw oneself in a hostile spirit, to strive against, to contend. Listen, there was such a change in Abraham that this word tells me there were moments in time when he was angry, that he was hostile. He didn't have that son. Ladies, there are things in your life that you've become hostile with, you've become angry with. How could this happen here? How could this happen to me? How could this problem this? I've this, I've that, I've the other thing. Listen, don't think that we don't all face that. I face that. We all face that. It is a chore. It is a choice to back up. It is a choice to say, nope, I can't do that. I can't do that. But it says, and he became strong in faith. And that was he received strength. He was made strong. Ladies, we don't often realize it. But if we'll just get before God and say, I don't have the strength to take another step. Come on. And we say to him, pour that strength in us. We begin to take that next step and the next step and the next step and the next step. But he said, listen, he did it by giving glory. And that's the word we looked at in the first. He began to praise. He began to worship. He began to honor. He began, he began to declare someone's preeminence, someone's excellence, and someone's magnificence. Ladies, we've got to start declaring the Lord Jesus Christ's preeminence. We've got to start declaring his excellency. We've got to declare his magnificence. So worship gave him the power to fight off those thoughts that Satan brings to us that gets us angry and hurt and disconnected because Satan wants to disconnect us from the body of Christ and he wants to disconnect us from the power of God. He wants to disconnect us from the power of worship. And worship gave him the tools to restore his passion so he was not just going through the motions. The next verse tells us that he was fully persuaded, and that means fully convinced. Ladies, do you know what it's saying here? Sometime between the laying on the floor, laughing and kicking his feet at the ridiculousness of him having a child 
as he tapped into that worship, he became fully convinced. And this is a season in this revival where God wants us to get an encounter with him where we are fully convinced. And one of the things that he's been saying to me is, if we do it after we get what we're looking for, are you listening? It's not that we're fully convinced. It's that for we're grateful for what we have. The time to get fully convinced is before we got the breakthrough. But breakthrough is coming. He just, I can't tell you enough. It's like it's coming. You can feel it. In all areas, breakthrough is coming. It's just coming. And I'm not talking to you about the things that maybe you have not gotten a word from God. So this is my next statement for you. Wherever you are, whatever that dark place is in your life, get with God and get a word. Because I'm about to tell you something that somebody told me. Are you ready? You can do anything when you got a word. You can do anything when you've got a word. But we've got to get the word. We can't wait for somebody to knock on our door and say, God told me to tell you. We can't wait to come to church and somebody walk up to us and said, God told me to tell you. We've got to get that for ourselves because when we get it for ourselves, it doesn't matter how much time happens from this point to this point. We got it for ourselves and we know that it's coming. So worship gave him the ability to be restored in being fully convinced. I want you to think about Peter. They were all thinking Jesus was a ghost. He said, if it's you, call me. Jesus called him. He started stepping. He's walking on water in the middle of a storm. But then he lifted his eyes and he looked at the waves and he felt the wind and he started to sink. The thing that keeps our eyes on Jesus is worship. And so it helped him. Got him right back where he needed to be. And I'm just going to give you one more verse. Well, I'm going to leave the rest of these because it's late. But in James, the first chapter, James is talking to the church. And he says to them, in God, there is no shadow of turning. Now, we don't think about that verse. But that verse was written before modern scientific discovery. And astronomers have now realized that planets can go into retrograde. We don't know how it happens. Those of us on Earth don't feel it when it happens. But the Earth backs up because we're a planet. and then begins to go forward. So when we see references to this, 
in the word, Joshua said, let the sun stay in the sky. Remember? Well, God just put the earth in retrograde. And the earth just kept going backward. And the sun stayed in the same spot. And what was the sign God gave Hezekiah? The sundial's going to go backward. God said to Hezekiah, I can do this because the earth can go in retrograde. Now, this is what James said. Listen, for me, this is one of the most exciting verses right now in the Word. James said, there will be no time that God will go backwards. There are some of you that have promises, and they're not happening. And you think you're going backwards. I want you to know God doesn't go backwards. James is looking at the church and he says, oh, listen, there's no shadow of turning. He's not, he's not backing up like heavenly bodies back up. He's not backing up. And so I'd like the worship team to come, please. Because, you know, we've got to tap into worship. And it's a tool you can take home with you. How many times do you find yourself, you're in a place and music is going on, hmm? and you get back in your car and you're humming whatever it was music had on, right? Why can't we do that with worship songs? Why can't we let God feed us with worship songs? But I want you to stand to your feet because I want to make this easy. And I want you to know you're not the only ones out there that Satan has put on a mental assault. This is not a sign of weakness. Abraham fell under a mental assault. It's not a sign of weakness. It's a sign of humanity. And it's a sign that we as humans need to grab a hold of the supernatural power source. So, if you're here, we're going to divide this, this altar call up. If you're here and you are battling for a promise, you're battling for a prophetic word. You're battling for something that God has said to you. And you're beginning to get to that point or you're already there. Where you just want to fall down on your face and kick your feet and laugh at the impossibility of it ever happening. You just come to this side of the platform. We're going we're gonna to pray with you. You just come to this side of the platform. If you're here and you honestly say, I've lost my ability to worship. I've lost my ability to just get lost. I'm honestly more conscious of what people are doing around me. I might suppress a shout. I might suppress a roll of laughter. I want you to come right here.
because this is where we're going to meet next. And we're, we're going to minister to people right here. If you're doing battle with a physical sickness, if you're doing battle with just a weakness in your body, come right here because we're going to pray for that. Now, before anybody lays hands on you, before anybody does anything, please don't stand up here and do nothing. I want you to start worshiping with the worship team. And I'm not talking about just singing the song. I'm talking about as you're singing that song that you're saying something to Jesus. You know, when, when I'm worshiping, I'm, I'm, I'll break in and... and another part of my brain will just start saying, Jesus, I need that. Jesus, I want that. Jesus, I love you. That's you. I thank you. You showed me that. Just begin to enter in into that worship. Denise, wherever you are, could you come? Amy, wherever you are, could you come, please? I can't even see you, so if you could come, the two of you. And if there are prayer teams assigned to this conference, if you'll come, I don't know who you are. If you'll come, please. And this is what I'm saying to the prayer teams. Please don't just take somebody because they're close to you. Watch their faces. And when they hit that connection with the Holy Spirit, when they hit that worship connection, then go pray for them. Because they've got to get in there. You know what it's saying? We, they got to get in there. We've got to learn how to exercise our spiritual muscles. And ladies, those of you that are not at the altar, please don't walk out that door. Please bring in a power of worship. Worship back there and fight for those up here. Because your worship sets an atmosphere. And we need an atmosphere. So just begin to set your worship.